Greg said it himself. Yeah, it's on me. It's on me. I made these changes. I'm the one who's responsible. It wasn't the right call. Okay, we move forward now. It's not Greg Berhalter out. It's not. You know, I mean, we take six of nine. You know, yeah, we make mistakes. Shit happens. We move on. Live from our man caves in Virginia Beach, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, Blem. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, Season 3, Episode 23. This is your host, Blem. What's going on, guys? Co-host Mike D, and we're just coming off the USA versus Costa Rica World Cup qualifying match. Blake, let's get right into it. Yeah. Mike D, did you believe that we were going to win? Like, okay, so so just repeat after me. Okay, I... I... I believe... I believe... I believe that... I believe that... Okay, we're not going to go any further. We both <laughs> believed that the U.S. men's national team would win. It's a terrible chant. But let's start with this, man. We're both crew fans. I've been to the Rock in LDC, Lower.com Stadium, Lower.com Field. It was rocking tonight. I saw some empty seats in the stadium, but the home of Dos Acero, one of the homes of U.S. men's national team soccer, it was rocking tonight, man. I love the atmosphere. It sounds really loud in that stadium, and it projects really well on television. Absolutely. You you could hear the fans chanting, um, really getting involved, and something that we'll get into, I think, is really just kind of like the opposite of the atmosphere from the last game. Yeah, so this win over Costa Rica, this 2-1 to one win, closes out the October window that saw the U.S. men's national team take six points out of a possible nine. We beat Jamaica 2-0 uh, with a peppy brace about a week ago. About a week ago, a week ago. Then we saw the disappointment to Panama in Panama, the first time we've ever lost to them in World Cup qualifying. We lost them 1-0 off of a Giassi Zardes own goal header that Anibal Godoy from uh, Nashville claims still, but then to bounce back like this, uh, it's a huge win for the U.S. Men's National Team. Serginho Des with a goal. Timo Weah tried to claim the second goal, but it's deemed an own goal. But it was a hell of a response after the defensive blunder that we saw in the first half. Mike, I mean, that's, that's a Timo. That's a team. That's a that's a way goal. I mean, you call it an own goal, basically, but it, that's a team away goal. He did everything that he was supposed to do. Yeah, and it's really, yeah, really technically, harsh. well, technically, yes, it's an own goal, but th- that's a that's a way goal. Yeah, really harsh to call that an own goal. But Mike D, let's just get into it, man. So the last game in Panama, we saw seven changes to that roster from the original roster in the Jamaica game. All seven of those guys being MLS players in this game tonight against Costa Rica. We only saw two changes from the original roster. So Ariola was supposed to start late scratch with Timo Weah. Ariola got injured right before kickoff. The only yeah. other change, well, the only other two changes to the lineup were Zach Steffen in place of Matt Turner. Okay, so you can, I mean, that's a little not questionable, but, you know, Matt Turner's been, he's been pretty good. I mean, good it's, a little, it's a little questionable, but we'll, go ahead, keep going. Right, and Chris Richards started at center back, getting his first minutes for the U.S. national team in World Cup qualifying. So first of all, let's start with the roster. What did you think of the selection and what seemed to be a must-win game for the U.S. national team? 
I really liked the roster overall. I think just kind of talking about, you know, Zach Steffen for a moment, we see this weird thing, right? Where you have Greg Berhalter rely on these guys that he has been playing because they're, you know, the chemistry, they've been in camp a lot together and yada, yada, yada. Right. But then you have a situation where we've got, you know, Zach Steffen got hurt, whatever. Right. And then Matt Turner steps in and then Matt Turner's, you know, one of the, one of the best, if not the best keeper in MLS right now, and did has been playing really, really well for the U S men's national team. And then we insert Zach Steffen, who really hasn't played. So that was the biggest kind of question mark. Of course, Zach Steffen's a great goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. But when we've seen kind of the – we've seen an inconsistency with that, I I think. I guess this was the inconsistency with that, really, because he relies so heavily on guys like Jossie Zardes over, you know, maybe a a Matthew Javier or or a a Ricardo Pepe at times. But – um, that was kind of questionable for me. I liked to see, or I liked the fact that he inserted Chris Richards. Um, and while we only saw so much from him, just because the game was primarily on Costa Rica's half of the field, um, I think he may have gotten a little lucky there with that uh, that slide tackle box. Great tackle, um, except for. I don't know. It looked like a PK to me, but uh, I, I liked it overall. The, the lineup was 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 really good to me. To touch on the goalkeeper situation, Zach Steffen has only played 180 minutes this season for Man City, and none of those 180 minutes were Premier League minutes whatsoever. So Matt Turner has been arguably the best goalkeeper in MLS all season long. We cover the league. We see how great he's been for the what is going to be the Shield-winning New England Revolution. And... Up until this year, we never saw Matt Turner as a U.S. men's national team goalkeeper. He's just recently right. kind of come onto the scene, but he is such a phenomenal shot stopper. We saw that one time, I believe, in the Panama game where he just stuck his big right paw out there and got yeah. that save. You know, he just he's got his hands in the right place. He's got the right reads. So, I mean, I think it's we won't talk up. about his feet, though. We won't talk about his feet, though. God, don't talk about Matt Turner's don't feet because feet. Revolution Twitter will be all over you. But again, Matt Turner had a couple of questionable balls out of the back last week against or a couple days ago against Panama. So the decision to start Zach Steffen is nothing but a thing. Like both of them are quality goalkeepers. You're not going to have to rely on either a whole lot in this game against Costa Rica. We gave up one, whatever Uh, for the rest of the roster. Like after the seven changes that we saw against Panama and Panama, that was questionable. So this game seemed to be a must win game. Sitting on kind of like get back to your old ways kind of thing. Exactly. You know what you're going to get with these starting guys. Everybody tosses around the words that the U.S. men's national team is inexperienced. But yeah, maybe for the national team. But these guys are getting important minutes for their club. A lot of these guys are playing Champions League minutes. So you got to go back to these guys. But as far as the other new guys, Chris Richards, like you said, there wasn't a lot of defensive duty for him to, to show tonight. Yeah, the slide tackle might have been questionable. Thank God there's no VAR in CONCACAF. But he had a decent showing. Like, this is his first World Cup qualifying showing. He does it in a quote-unquote must-win game, but it's almost a low-pressure situation. You know, you're playing on home soil against a lesser opponent that's older, 
Chris Richards is a good ball distributor. He still yeah. needs to show a little bit more of the the 1v1 defending that we didn't get to see a lot of tonight. Right. But I like that he got minutes alongside a guy like Miles Robinson, who probably has etched his name in ink as a starter for the U.S. men's national team going forward. Okay, and then I like the wingbacks, Anthony Robinson, Serginio Dest. We'll get into the tactics of those guys in a little bit. We got mm-hmm. the MMA midfield, man. They're fun to watch together. Uh, Weston McKinney didn't have a great game, but still they all cover what? and rotate and they play well together. Weston McKinney couldn't pass the ball whoa, to save his life. Tonight, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to stop the show right here. You got to be kidding me. So Weston McKinney, McKinney didn't had, have a good had, game? Weston McKinney had good moments. Weston McKinney technically was... I thought he was a little poor tonight. It was a little bit, he was a little sloppy on the ball, a little sloppy on the pass. There was one late in the game that I remember because it's fresh in my mind because we're recording right after the game that he was on the left side of the midfield and he tried to play a ball to Timo Weah and it was chest height when he could have played it on the ground. A lot sure. of people were talking about how the, the field may have been choppy or something, but you know, I'm a Columbus crew fan. I, I see us ping the ball around on the pitch a little bit. I don't know. I thought Weston McKinney was a little sloppy on the ball. I thought he had a good amount of turnovers. I don't have the number in front of me, but Mikey, let's keep moving on, okay? Pepe, okay, up top, perfect. That's what the people wanted to see, all right? Maybe the people of Columbus wanted to see Zardes. They didn't. Aronson out left. Paul Ariola, like we said, was supposed to start out right. Wea ended up coming in because of a late scratch. What did you think of that? Who would you have rather seen there? Uh, with Tim Wea coming off and Hoppy coming in? No. Oh, Ariola? supposed to start, yeah. No, I think that was fine. I think that was good. I didn't have any I problem did- with that. I do too. So of those people that we talked about, and I, you know, I, I threw out that I didn't think McKinney had a great game, but let's start with the positives first. Positives from a personnel perspective. Who in this game impressed you and why? Eunice Musa. Um, and I mean, I think it, I, I won't harp too much on McKinney uh, from what you said. I, I mean, I think kind of, the, yes, he, he had some mistakes. I, I think so. But I think a large majority of the game especially into the second half. I mean, in the second half, he was everywhere. Um, but I'm not going to harp too much on that. And um, I think Musa had a really good game. Uh, finding space in the midfield, finding the game, you know, turning, vertically playing forward through the midfield. Um, in the first half, he was their go-to guy. He was largely their go-to guy through the midfield. So he was really impressive for me. Um, in terms of, I mean, Tim Aweah, you know, stepping on in a, in a last-second change and playing pretty well, I thought, um, was good. Uh, in terms of the positives, I think that that's, that's it. Um, in terms of personnel, you know, in, in terms of tactics, maybe it's a little bit different. Um, but I don't know if you want to jump into that or, you know, you want to give your, your personnel. Oh, absolutely. There's somebody that you're, you're forgetting, and I know it's, it's got to be on the tip of your tongue, Serginho Dest. I, I mean, he – okay, so – he started off rough. Obviously, his defensive play is not – he's not a good defender, in my opinion. He's a better offensive player, obviously. Um, he started off slow, but then he, he came into his own uh, and then eventually did start to play uh, well offensively. Obviously, the goal was was a banger, um, but Costa Rica's defense and Monterrey's defense on that, I mean, basically let him have it. So you give a guy like that with space, I mean, he's, he's going to put it away, especially, you know, that close. So um, – I mean, offensively, yeah, Des came into his own and, and played well as the game progressed on. Um, but, you know, early, that, that first goal, I mean, he he kind of got burnt down the left, the, le- the left wing there, or the right wing, excuse me. 
and just kind of put a, it started, it didn't start the tempo off right. It didn't start, I was just looking at him with a bad taste in my mouth from the beginning. But he did, he did come into his own uh, offensively, I think. Obviously, that's what he's known for, right? He's a better offensive player than he is defensive. So he did, he played well. Obviously, he scored yeah. a goal. So. Yeah, and he would and have gotten assist. his he would have oh, gotten yeah, his assist if they yeah. didn't credit it for the own goal. But yeah, I agree that maybe he does need to work on his defensive duties to defend him a little bit on the goal that was scored. It came off of a ball over top. Zach Steffen coming out, heading it back. Then the ball coming back to the left. It, the ball was all over the place. It's not an excuse, but to defend him a little bit, he wasn't. He never really got an opportunity to defend defend one on one. He was more oh, in a foot. He was more in a foot race, I thought, with Ronald Matarita than being in a position to really. Yes, he could have won the ball, but I don't fault Dest for that. Uh, I mean, he, he, he tracked him for 30 yards and was literally right there on him. Let him get the cross off. I mean, uh, you call it what you want. Uh, that's that's your outside back duty, duty to to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, I'll blame Weston McKinney there as well because he. Well, didn't sure, wherever his, it starts, that's fine. Yeah. But you know, it, that's where it ended. Yeah, he didn't track his guy in the box. But yeah, offensively, I thought Sergio Dest, it's what he does. It's his bread and butter. It's what he does for Barcelona. It's why he plays for the team. They play some of the most, well, when when Messi was there, but some of the most beautiful soccer in the world, some of the most creative, innovative football that's that's being played out there. And Sergio Dest is our most creative offensive piece, maybe even when Christian Pulisic is there. He gets forward really well, and when you pair him up with a guy like Timo Weah on the right-hand side, and they have never really gotten valuable minutes together on that side. So I really like that pairing. Timothy Weah, uh, I wish they would have credited him with that goal. But he's he's looked good. He looked good when he came on, I believe, against Jamaica. And he looked really good tonight from the start. And I think that down the line, he could be a starter if Reyna ends up moving into the midfield where he seems to get more minutes for Borussia Dortmund. But other positives for me, yeah, Miles Robinson gave away a couple balls in the second half. He played a square ball to Chris Richards that basically gave away a one-on-one. Thank God the Costa Rica attacker, Brian Ruiz, is slower than I am, which is really, really hard to be. But I thought Miles Robinson, like I said earlier, he's kind of etched his name in ink as probably a starter in the center back role for the U.S. men's national team. Tyler Adams, man, he's the most valuable guy on this team. He is the glue. I I really like what he does. He rotates well. He distributes well. He facilitates the game really well. He dictates how, where the game is played for the U.S. men's national team. So that's that's Triple G's guy. Brendan Aronson, yeah, I, I love that guy. Works his ass off up and down. That left flank, he flips flanks. He's running on the right side. He's inverted. He's great. But Eunice Musa, you said it, man. Eunice Musa was, his stock rose the most. I believe in this October window of world cup qualifiers in moments against Panama, where we were lacking any kind of creativity with legit and Acosta in the middle. You saw moments from Eunice Musa where he's not afraid to turn and run at players mm-hmm. or get creative. Right. And I texted you in the middle of the game and I sent out a tweet and you know, it was when Eunice Musa drops that shoulder and it's a scene of Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street biting his knuckles. Like mm-hmm. it's it's really beautiful stuff how creative he is. And he gets to he gets to show it in, in Spain on a weekend, week out basis at 18 years old, which is crazy. That's a guy yeah. that we are counting on in our midfield. So I, I think Yunus Musa, man, has the sky is really the limit for that kid. And my God, 
are we lucky to have him? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and I don't know if Costa Rica is really the opponent that you want to kind of, I mean, yeah, I think maybe we might be on high from the win, you know, coming off the Panama loss. But to me, I mean, I don't know what you were watching, but I thought McKinney and Adams and Musa played really well together in that midfield. And I think that going forward, that's probably, in my opinion, if I'm going to pick a midfield, that's going to be my U.S. men's national team midfield locked in. No, I agree. If I had to pick a starting three in my midfield, that's what I'm I'm giving. I might have had a bad choice of words when I didn't think McKinney had a, a good game. I thought that he just had some sloppy moments where sure. he could have been more precise. He, play, he plays for Juventus. He plays alongside Ronaldo. You know, I, I expect a lot from him, as we should. We mm-hmm. should hold him to a very high precedent. Uh, I, I don't want to make excuses yeah. for a guy like him. So, yes, I know we're both soccer players. We know the ball pops up on you and you make those mistakes. But I saw a number of them tonight and it was almost like there's something off with this guy. But Weston McKinney, what he may what he may have lacked tonight in technical crispness, he made up in work rate and picking up the ball in meaningful positions and carrying the ball forward and just alongside Tyler Adams dictating that pace. So, yes, the MMA midfield is something that we need to see going forward, and I believe that is our best three. And that's going to take me right into tactics, Mike D, unless you have anything else about personnel. We'll get into yeah. subs in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so so as far as tactics, go, something that stood out to me, we're talking about the center midfielders, is the center midfielders rotating really well. Yes, you have your six and your two eights. But you see all the time where Tyler Adams floats above Weston McKinney. Mm-hmm. Weston McKinney drops in deep to get the ball early in the game. Weston McKinney was drifting left while Anthony Robinson was getting higher up the pitch on the left-hand side to get the fullbacks high. So, and the same thing with Eunice Musa. Eunice Musa drifting right. And all of those guys rotating and covering for each other when the ball is turned over and everything like that. I really like how they work together and they're only building the chemistry. Yeah, I think... The way that I describe it, you said it, um, I think you texted it to me, it was fluid. Um, And the word that came to my mind was in sync. Um, So I think that it wasn't just in the midfield. I think it was everywhere. You talked about Anthony Robinson. I mean, everybody was rotating really well, I thought. You know, where the space needed to be or where where somebody needed to be when the space opened up, somebody was there. I mean, getting into the the, the first goal, um, like, which, I mean, we may get ready to talk about here, but... uh, Waya finds himself on the left-hand side, making a run through uh, diagonally for for Brennan Aronson when he was playing right wing. You know, I mean, just finding that space, you know, the boys rotating, the boys were buzzing. I thought they were really in sync all over the place. And um, it was great to see because it was a complete flip from Panama. It was a complete flip from Panama for me because they lacked any sort of urgency. Um, They did not play well together. They didn't play well in possession. I saw a lot of good combination one-two passes, really small tiki-taka type stuff uh, in the midfield, um, finding the through uh, or the the line-breaking ball uh, and then turning. I mean, it was it was great. It was complete. It, it was – it's crazy. It's like you play bad and then you go back and you review tape and you're like, all right, this is where we need to do better and we do better. And it's that's exactly what they did. They improved on everything that they did poorly against Panama, I thought. And it, and it comes down to personnel to me. Like – I'm getting ready to say the words that our offense tonight had the freedom to play offensively, but I think that Greg Berhalter gives that to all of his guys. It just comes down to the quality of it and the quality of our central midfield central midfield tonight allowed us to play 
with that freedom offensively, that midfield of Adams, McKinney, Musa, as opposed to Leggett, Acosta, and Musa, it allowed us to do different things. It allowed our wingers to play completely differently, to be involved in different ways. Right. So w- one thing you talked about in us being fluid, something that comes with being fluid offensively is being able to interchange positionally. Mm-hmm. So one thing that you talked about on the goal, two of our most impressive players to me, just because of their work rate and their able, their ability to stretch the opposing team vertically to play inverted as wingers were Brendan Aronson and Timo Weah. And during that goal, you saw us connect 13 passes deep in our own end to be able to absorb pressure, to play out of that pressure and grant the Costa Rica, like I, I applaud them for coming out and trying to press us. Like that's what we need. We need that to build and go forward. And 13 passes later, nine players touch the ball. Brendan Aronson gets the ball at about half field as our left winger and Timo Weah as our right winger is on the left, on the left touch line, getting a through ball. in. so both of our wingers are on that left-hand side. So for us to be able to see the opportunity to go and to go there and not just stick to that four, three, three, Timothy Weah is out right. And because Timothy Weah was out left on that touch line, that allowed Serginho Des the opportunity to essentially play as that right winger because we had the overload on the left side. So right. I, th- I think that's super important going forward is playing the players that are creative enough and good enough to be able to interchange and still get the same end product. Yeah, I agree. It was It was great to see. And with that, I talked about the wingers again. I know something else I noticed was the swapping of wings. So I talked about them both being on the same side just for that goal scoring opportunity. But about halfway through that first half, we saw Brendan Aronson go right and Timothy Weah go out left. And the game kind of changed in that regard because it, it's just a different look from both of those sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down, like you said, the fluidity and, and seeing the game, right? Having having that foresight, if you will, to see, okay, well, this is where the opportunity is going to go, right? And and then Greg, obviously, maybe telling those guys before the game, like, okay, this is how we need to play, and then just going out and executing at that point. The only other thing I noticed that Greg Berhalter said that he wanted to really focus on in Panama were our fullbacks getting high, that being mm-hmm. Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest. And so with that happening, you know, you see our two center backs, Chris Richards and Miles Robinson, they're kind of sitting back there alone, which is fine against a team like Costa Rica, you know, and then Tyler Adams or whoever is floating in front of them. And that's modern day football with your fullbacks getting high. And we're lucky enough to have two guys that are playing at a very high level over in Europe and Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest that are able to create offensively and still do their duties defensively. And I thought we did that really well tonight. They both played really high. Yeah, it was it was really nice to see them getting higher and into the attack. And you know me, I love an outside back that gets in and is part of the attack. You know, with obviously we talked about Liverpool and you know my boys that you know on the outside get in and and create opportunities. Um, you see a lot of that. You saw a lot of the the ball going through, you know, Weston McKinney to Anthony Robinson. Anthony Robinson was getting in on that left hand side so often, so often. It was just really disappointing though with the amount of times that he was able to break through into space there, his crossing was so poor. It was so poor. I mean, maybe one or two of them out of maybe the 10, you know, crosses that he had opportunities for, 
were just just really really it, it needed to be better i mean if imagine if he puts those balls in the box you know and creates you know puts them in dangerous spaces uh, we may have won that game more than 2-1 um but yeah it, it was nice to see i mean and something else that i noticed too um which helped i think they were staying really really wide really wide which obviously opens up that space in the midfield for musa and McKenney to operate so um just I, I think overall really good performance capitalizing or improving i guess is a better word on the downfalls from last game mainly being the midfield you know everything else comes with the improvement from the midfield for me and I know what you just said, our outside backs and our and our wingers playing together and then having that central midfielder of either Adams, McKinney or Musa coming in as the third runner. That's something that Extra Time talked about on their Twitter spaces before the game. And we saw that a lot. And there was a moment in the first half where I believe Sergio Dest found Ricardo Pepe. This isn't the third runner, but I'm just talking about overloads on one side of the field and your mm-hmm. striker sliding over when Sergio Dest found, instead of playing the ball wide to Timothy Weah, found Ricardo Pepe's feet, and Ricardo Pepe opened up and played the through ball wall pass in to Timothy Weah, and we got in that way. And that wasn't the only time that we saw Ricardo Pepe play that kind of pass. We saw something similar a couple minutes later where he played as a target, back to goal, and he laid a ball off to Weston McKinney, who then got in. I don't think Ricardo Pepe had an outstanding game. I really don't even think Ricardo Pepe had a Good game. I think he was just quiet, to be honest with you. Yeah, but he had the he had those couple moments where I was like, "That's that's refreshing to have a number nine that is technical." And right. despite he made a lot of, we talked about this very similar runs to what Giassi Zardes makes in the box, and he made yeah. the same run over and over and over on crosses tonight. Granted, the crosses were shit. But he was able in those two instances to really create chances for the U.S. national team not by him getting into the six and getting a shot on goal, but by him distributing. Yeah, it is. Uh, like you said, we talked about this a couple of days ago. Maybe it was yesterday, but um, it is refreshing. You know, no, he didn't have a great game or even really a good game at all, but there were a couple of things that you saw, um, and that being it. The fact that, in my opinion, he's he's more technical than Jossie. They do make a lot of the same runs. They occupy the same spaces. Um, Jossie maybe works a little bit harder than him to get back or do whatever. I don't know, but I, I think more often than not, if you play Pepe that ball in and he's holding up play, he's gonna be technical enough to to lay that pass off in the right direction. And you saw that not only in this game, but also in the game against Jamaica as well. Yeah, well, also in the game against Panama, I put a bunch of highlights up on. Oh, maybe that's the one I was referring to. Sorry. The yeah, I put, yeah, I put a bunch of highlights up on Twitter the other day, and the most effective the U.S. men's national team looked against Panama was during the up, back, and through yeah. when either a one of the back four or one of the central midfielders found Pepe checking to the ball, laying it off either at an angle or back, and then us just not being able to find the end product going forward. But that's something that when you play the up back and through that initial up turns the defense around and then the back turns the defense around again. And at that point you can spring a guy going forward. So that's a really nice tactic. It's not going to work all the time, but it's nice again to have a technical number nine striker that's big can hold up play and can combine out of the midfield. So so that's really nice to see. Uh, I think we talked about three or four, tactical things that happened in this game we talked about the freedom to play positional interchanges what what about what about costa rica let's talk about costa rica for a minute tactically i mean 
they talked about it a little bit on extra time before the game, and obviously it looked as though we didn't know what we were going to see, right? They they were coming out in like a four two three one, I think is what it was. You never know till you know when the game starts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but immediately from the start, they were playing. It, it looked like they were doing, they were trying to press, but also they were trying to get back and and stay organized and kind of in a low block when the ball was on their side of the field. Um, but as the game goes on. They obviously, with the tempo of the U.S. men's national team and and how well I thought that they were playing, I mean, they obviously withered down. But what about their tactic? I mean, it, like like I said, I was watching the game and it was it was almost like Costa Rica looked like the U.S. men's national team did against Panama or even in other games. I mean, just they couldn't get anything going in through the midfield. Their, their passing was not great. I mean, they had no opportunities getting forward, really. Everything was direct. They were, I mean, early in the game, they were, they were pumping balls direct, trying to challenge the back line, and a couple times it worked early. But um, other than that, I mean, after they they tried to do that and, and we started to settle into the game around 20 minutes, you know, that stuff changed, and they really just kind of sat back and were looking for opportunities on mistakes to, to counter or get forward. Yeah, after about the halfway point of the first half, they kind of lost their legs, to be honest with you. And it's because the U.S. national team was like all those tactical things that we just said. We were moving the ball really well. The ball was doing the work for the U.S. national team. And Costa Rica was doing a lot of chasing without the ball. And you know, as a soccer player, Mike D, what that can do. That wears you down. It not only kills your legs, it kills your mental. It kills your mentality. You're like, this team is actually just, just better than me. And that's ultimately what it came down to. And Every game in CONCACAF is going to be hard. Teams are going to get their chances. Not every team is going to sit back all game. Yes, Costa Rica came in playing what was what looked like a 4-2-3-1 in the initial lineup, but obviously everything is fluid. And in defense, it looked like two blocks of four and a 4-4-2. Right. But like right from the gun, we weren't necessarily prepared. They pressed us. Mm-hmm. They played direct. We lost an aerial duel. I believe it was Chris Richards lost to Ariel Dole. Yeah. The ball bounced around. And that's CONCACAF, man. All a lesser quality team needs is a chance in CONCACAF. No team is bad. They just need yeah. a chance. And that's and that's what we gave them. But like I said earlier in this, like I give Costa Rica credit. They're an old, old team, man. Uh, one of their best strikers, Campbell, that plays up top, was out tonight. They had what – what did they say on extra time? Their 19-year-old retired from the national yeah, team because yeah. something happened. Yeah. So, like, they they have, like, an average age of mid-30s. We got an average age of 23. Like, you know, it, the, the dads yeah. don't – the dads don't always win, all right? The old guys don't always win. It's, it's the fresh legs. But, yeah. you know, Costa Rica, they did a good job of pressing the U.S. national team. They challenged us in moments. They did. They made us play up to the moment. They made us want, they made us have to win the game. We right. had to show our quality to beat them at times. So, yeah, Costa Rica, they're not going to qualify, obviously, but they, they did a, a good job at not just sitting in. They didn't have the quality to possess the ball and knock the ball around and make us sit in and absorb pressure and then go. Us absorbing yeah. pressure was actually us playing under pressure and then going. That was how we created transition moments for ourselves: was playing the ball back to Zach Steffen and absorbing and allowing them to press. And we just had better and more quality than they did to get mm-hmm. out of that pressure and go forward. So hats off to Costa Rica for trying, but it just wasn't good enough, Mike D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, um, 
that that's great. I mean, it's great that we played well. And you talked about Costa Rica being an old team. You know, their 19-year-old retired and their their key striker wasn't available. Is that not a little bit concerning? It was only 2-1? Yeah, it is. It's a little bit concerning. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for scoring. me, the U.S. men's national team obviously playing against Costa Rica. Is Costa Rica the most formidable opponent? Probably not. Did we play well? I thought so. Yes. Um, aside from that being concerning that it was only 2-1, um, I think a lot of the opportunities that may have been from Miles Robinson, or not Miles Robinson, Anthony Robinson on the outside um, may have helped with that. Um, but then there's also, I mean, at the end of the game, uh, it's 2-1, 86th minute, and the U.S. award Costa Rica a free kick on the U.S. men's national team's half. In that moment, I mean, the, I mean, the ball's played into the box and a foul. Obviously, coming out of the box is what what stopped the play. But that ball was bouncing around in the box for for a couple seconds, and you know you're almost holding your breath, you know. So that's where what I was getting at with you know is this concerning a little bit? Because yeah, we played I thought much better than we did against Panama, but we got to really if if Costa Rica is not as as good as you know, or, or just isn't a good team, you know, or whatever it is. I know it's Concacaf, but like I thought our play really should have resulted in more goals. And, you know, you let a team like this hang around and CONCACAF and World Cup qualifying and 86-minute free kick from, you know, inside your your own half comes in into the box and they score a garbage goal. I mean, that's a that's two points off the table right there. So I, I just – I wanted them to keep the tempo. And I know, obviously, they, they had a high tempo the whole game and you're not going to be able to do that. But, you know, you got to put more I, – I think at least one more away if you're going to – they they almost I mean they cut they got a little bit casual, you know uh, they were still getting forward but it was not nearly at the pace that they were and I guess that's just a result of you know tired legs but um, what about changes you want to get into changes? Yeah, you talked about it kind of kind of the U.S. Men's National Team getting complacent. Well, sometimes you don't necessarily get complacent; you just get more defensive. Sure. So starting in the 73rd minute, you had DeAndre Yedlin coming at right back for Sergio Dest. Matthew Hoppy come on for Timothy Weah, both of those in the 73rd. And then Gianluca Busio came in for Yunus Musa in the 78th minute. Zimmerman for Aronson in the 86th. And Zardes for Pepe in the 87th. All those, to me, are good substitutions. I'm fine with every single one of those things. I think it was a good tactical move to bring those guys onto the pitch. It looked like Dest had a little bit of an ankle issue that he fought through from about the 50th minute on in the second half. Timo Weah, after he scored the goal, they gave him a couple more minutes. Well, after he caused the goal, they gave mm. him a couple more minutes. But I'm happy to see Matthew Hoppy get an opportunity. He came in and worked hard. He hadn't got any previous minutes in World Cup qualifying games in this window or period. John Loco Busso came in and he made a positive impact on the game for Yunus Musa, I thought. Yeah. I thought he looked really good. He created a couple chances. He had a shot that went out for a corner kick, was deflected. So I thought John Loco Busia did really well. He's done really well over in Syria at Venezia. So he he came on and showed his quality, showed that maybe he is a piece in the U.S. men's national team midfield going forward. Walker Zimmerman has been one of the key pieces to me during this window he's impressed me he wasn't even supposed to be here tim ream was supposed to be here couldn't make it for personal reasons and i'm to the mls gone wild horn here i'm to the mls horn but i think walker zimmerman 
really showed his quality in an article I saw by the athletic. He's won the highest percentage or the most duels out of any player on the U S men's national team. And the guy's a vertical force. He's going to win every aerial duel that's out there. Mm. And he played really well in the opening game against Jamaica, got 90 minutes there, came out and captained the U.S. national team against Panama, despite the U.S. national team losing like I thought that he put in a good performance. I think he's a good leader. I think he's a good player. So he, I, I was happy in this moment, specifically speaking about this game, there was a set piece and we needed to bring another big body in the game to ensure that we don't give up a goal there. So, yes, Walker Zimmerman, good substitution. You bring in another good uh, big body. And then Giassi Zardes for Ricardo Pepe. Didn't really matter, but Giassi Zardes came in, worked hard defensively, uh, caused one turnover, played the ball to Matthew Hoppy that Matthew Hoppy had a sloppy touch on. And then Zardes had another – he got stuck in on another tackle late in the game. Ball went straight up in the air. But his defensive work rate is high. He didn't have to do the mm-hmm. offensive piece tonight. That wasn't asked, asked of him. But what he did when he came on in the 87th minute was important. And he showed yeah. well. So yeah. they were all good subs to me. Taylor Twelman said it, I think, best. You know, Jossie Zardes does all the small things right that Greg Berhalter loves. Um, but I, I didn't have any problems with the substitutions. I, I, I think you hit, a, hit on the head with Busio. I thought he came in and made an impact. Did well. Did, you know, did all of the, the things that he was supposed to do, right? Uh, not anything too overcomplicated, just simple, knew his role, came in, performed, and, and you know, did well, I thought. One thing, though, um, and I think it probably is just situational because you talked about, you know, the, the set piece at the at the end there, but that late in the game to bring on a center back is not something that I'm I'm particularly fond of. Just because you got two guys that are playing together all game, and then you come in and you may disrupt that late in the game. They're not on the same wavelength. You know, Walker Zimmerman's, Walker Zimmerman's a great center back. Love Walker Zimmerman. No, no knock against him. He's like great vertical force, great defensively in the box. Um, but if they were to have scored a goal, um, that may have been a talking point. You know, but I think he came hey, in for Anthony Robinson, right? What? He came in for Anthony no, Robinson. No, not, he came in for Brendan uh, Miles, Did he? Oh, they just yeah. dropped another guy back? Okay. Well, um, I, yeah, I clearly wasn't paying attention. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, then I'm, yeah, I guess scratch that. Cause I thought he came in for one of the center backs. I thought he came in for, for not Anthony Robinson. I keep swapping them. Uh, Miles Robinson. But um, No, we had, we had the trees in the box, man. We had the trees yeah. in there. Speaking of Miles Robinson, though, um, two uh, two. Two big mistakes um, this game that that could have led to another goal being scored by Costa Rica, which cannot happen. Um, luckily, their striker is 36 years old. Uh, whoever picked up the ball, Luis, I think his name was, picked up the ball. Um, Brian Ruiz. I already Brian, said he's, Brian, he's slower than me. Man. He's, he's 36 years old. He's slow, and and he made the, you know Miles Robinson made this make, mistake and immediately caught him. You know, but you know we can't make mistakes like that in the back line just can't so miles Robinson is a great center back i, I also enjoy him uh, i think you said it he's one of the locked in center backs um but yeah i think you got to be a little bit cleaner there especially on the back line yeah i think it's it's late in the game well in the second half of the game he's kind of in the rhythm he's not used to being pressured so he plays a lazy sloppy ball you can we call it what you want. We're not making yeah, excuses now. No, that's cool. That goal, you know? It's inexcusable. It is. It's inexcusable, but 
Am I worried about it right now? No. 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 Was it was it a bad moment? Sure. I'm not worried about Miles Robinson in that moment. No. Did we get yeah. lucky that it was Brian Ruiz back there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we sure did. But it is what it is. He, he's going to continue to grow. He's been a staple in the U.S. Men's National Team center back for the World Cup qualifying. Yeah. Th- this whole process so far. So we've talked about this game. But this game, like I said, it closes up the October window of World Cup qualifiers. Currently, when we're recording this episode, it's right now 9.51 on Wednesday night after the U.S. Men's National Team won. Mexico doesn't kick off for another 25 minutes, and we sit above Mexico at the top of the CONCACAF qualifying the octagonal with 11 points on goal differential. Six of a possible nine points in this window. Everybody was harshly criticizing the team and Greg Berhalter after that Panama loss, after the seven changes were made, after we beat Jamaica handily 2-0. What are your overall takeaways on this specific window of World Cup qualifying for the U.S. Men's National Team? U.S. Men's National Team fans going to U.S. Men's National Team fans. You know what I mean? Like six out of nine, I'll take it any day. I'll take it any day. I mean, I don't... I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, I think people just just love to to get a reaction. You know, they they love to point fingers and everybody's yeah. Greg said it himself. Yeah, it's on me. It's on me. I made these changes. I'm the one who's responsible. It wasn't the right call. Okay, we move forward now. It's not Greg Burhalter out. It's not. You know, I mean, we take six of nine. You know, yeah, we make mistakes. Shit happens. We move on. So I think yeah. overall, overall great performance. You know, Panama, yes, not not a great performance, but Jamaica, good performance against Costa Rica tonight, great performance. So I'm happy. We sit at the yeah. top of the table at the moment, and, yeah. and we're it, up there with Mexico. So let what what are we doing? What are we talking about here? I got news for everybody that thinks that the Greg Berhalter train, Greg Berhalter out train, is going to get rolling. Greg Berhalter is going to coach the U.S. men's national team at this upcoming World Cup. And that's just the way it's going to go. It makes no sense to fire a coach that has built belief and continuity and relationships with the players that are in this locker room. There's no reason to fire a coach that's not only done that, but implemented a style of play and allowed these players to gel and mesh the way that they do on the field. There's no reason to get rid of a coach that has done that. Yes. The job is tough, man. Like you got to weigh what is more important sometimes. So sometimes, yeah, you got to rest your guys. Okay. So you got to make seven changes in a game against Panama. And I wish that that team would have showed a little bit more intensity, passion, the urgency to go forward and the want and will to win that game. It didn't happen, but that's something that, yeah, Greg has to live with, but it's also on those players. Okay. So they got to wear that. They got to think about that when they go at sleep, go to sleep at night. So Greg Berhalter has got to make tough decisions like that. And us U S men's national team fans, pundits, podcasters, whatever you want to call us, we can all sit here and, and criticize it. But yo, these players are playing a lot of minutes. They're training on a daily basis. There is a lot of wear and tear on these players body that not only has happened at these camps, but has happened with their club teams as well. So he's got to make these decisions. So he prioritized 
he hoping that they would win against Panama with the group that he put out there and the changes that he made in the second half, hoping they could get maybe a point or a result or a three point result. But like, ultimately these three points tonight against Costa Rica were most important to him. Jamaica was important. Panama, he wanted to hopefully get a result with what he put on the field. And that's the, that's a risk you take as a head coach. It is mm-hmm. with the limited availability and the three games and a seven day span or whatever it is. And then you got to win tonight. And he puts out a team that puts on a quote unquote dominant performance is what I would say in a, what should have been a more than two to one victory. So Greg Berhalter is not going anywhere, but for, for us right now to be in the position we're in, regardless of what Mexico does tonight, we're either going to be, top of the table or second in the table top three automatically go through the fourth place team in CONCACAF goes to a playoff game. Like we're going to, we're going to be good. We're We're going to qualify. We're going to qualify. So I'm pleased with the overall window. Yes, there are the general concerns like, Oh, we can't break down a low block. Like I just said, all the roster rotation and maybe Kellen Acosta and Sebastian legit aren't good enough. I don't know. Those are things that Greg Berhalter's got to solve out, solve. But I'm fine with it. I'm not ecstatic through the moon. I feel good right now after getting three points tonight against Costa Rica. Next game's against Mexico, though. Next game's against Mexico. I think we play Canada after them, right? I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the upcoming. No, I'm pretty schedule. sure that uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I thought I was looking at it earlier. Maybe I don't know if my, my dates are right, but I'm pretty sure the next window brings Mexico and Canada. But, um, yeah, that's the next big test, November twelfth, Canada or uh, Mexico. Plenty of time to rest. Plenty of time to figure out some of these things. We're gonna be fine. I'm I'm happy with six out of nine points. Three six nine, damn she fine. That's right. Something something, shake it for me one more one more time. Anyways, MLS is back this weekend, Mike D. We got the Columbus Crew versus Inter Miami. We got a full slate of games, man. I'm excited. Are you excited to get back to watching some MLS? I'm excited. I'm excited, but I'm I'm concerned about the crew. But we won't we don't we won't talk about that here. That's for another episode. We digress, Mike D. Before I close this out, do you have anything else to tell the people? I um I don't I don't think so. Um, happy with the window. Everybody needs to chill out on Greg Berhalter and the U.S. men's national team. You know, everybody wants to talk about how they're young and and inexperienced, and then they want to go ahead and turn around and say they're trash. I mean, pick one, right? I mean, Make give up them your mind, ben- folks. Give them the benefit of the doubt because they're young or don't. You know, Greg Berhalter's not a bad coach. You guys need to chill out. Um, and uh, that's it. That's it for me. Oh, if you guys haven't already, go check out our vlog on YouTube. We went to Philadelphia – um, or I guess Westchester, or not Westchester, Chester, Pennsylvania, to watch uh, the crew play the Philadelphia Union, and we did a vlog that's up on YouTube. Uh, the boys go to Chester, PA, um, so check it out. Yeah, go check that out. The U.S. men's national team defeats Costa Rica tonight, two to one, on a Sergio Desk goal and a Costa Rica own goal. Like I said, the U.S. Men's National Team takes six of nine points in the October window. Next up for the U.S. Men's National Team is Mexico. We currently sit top of the table. Listeners, support the U.S. Men's National Team, okay? As everybody said, we're young, we're learning, we're still inexperienced. We're continuing to gel, grow, and win together. 
only forward, Mike D. Vertical, baby. That's right. USA.